The New Testament reading today is from 2 Peter. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we have been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The Word of the Lord. The church was packed for Robert's funeral. He died suddenly at the age of 40, of an artery abnormality. One week he was the project coordinator for our Habitat for Humanity house build. He led the session in opening prayer. He chaired our social justice committee. And then on a Monday at 2 p.m. he was dead. And now we had gathered in vast numbers for his funeral. I sat in one of the chairs on the chancel looking out at the first pew where I saw Robert's parents and his two children, 12-year-old Jenny and 10-year-old Ben. His wife had succumbed to breast cancer three years before. We fought our way through the liturgy defending our hearts against the grief. I remember raising my eyebrow when we recited the 23rd Psalm together When we got to the line, I shall not want, I really wondered if that was correct. We all wanted Robert. We all wanted a parent for those kids. The church was filled with his friends, his family, brothers and sisters in Christ who'd worked with him in church for most of his life. Robert's friends offered the first two eulogies. They said kind things that we would expect them to say. They were good things, how he was successful at work and as well as home as a husband, as a father, and then as a single parent and as a leader in the church, and they expressed how much we would miss him. But it was a third eulogy for which we were not prepared. It was given by his 12-year-old daughter, Jenny. I can still see her standing before the microphone with her weeping grandparents standing behind her for support. Jenny reached into her pocket and pulled out a single sheet of loose leaf paper and she began to read, thank you all for being here to wish my father well on his way to heaven. I wanted you to know a couple things that Ben and I are gonna miss about our dad. In spite of the fact that he worked, he was always home when we got home from school, and we'd run to him and he'd give us a big hug. We're going to miss that. We're going to also miss the end of the night when we would all race upstairs and he'd read us a story and then make us say our prayers. And then she folded up that piece of paper and went and sat down. 
The soloist began to sing, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. And I remained in the chancel looking down on the congregation. I was amazed at the power music has to pierce every defense we try to erect. Safely to thy haven guide, the tenor sang, oh, receive me to my rest at last. Now it was my turn to speak, only I couldn't speak. And so we sat there in silence for quite a while. Eventually, I had to get up, and I did, and it's my job. No one else was volunteering to go there for me. Uh, I was the one that was supposed to proclaim in that time the holy word, a word that could break into this silence. But what I remember most about that funeral, almost three decades ago, was the power of that silence. We have experienced this silence before. All of us have. We all know of it. It's the same kind of silence you find in cemeteries or on nursing home corridors late at night, one of the quietest places I know. It's the silence that fills a house of a child with a dangerously high fever. Or when someone comes home to find a note on the dresser saying, I've left because I never loved you. It's the same kind of silence you find when you discover the Christmas stocking of someone who has recently died. The silence you feel when you hang up the phone and the doctors just said the lab report is in and the news is not good. To be clear, this is not a welcoming silence. This isn't a respite from our noisy lives. It's not that kind of silence. This is a threatening silence. The one that rips away all our cheap words. The one that dares to say anything at all. It's the silence born of the news that stops our heart. A friend confides in you, I have to tell this to someone, last weekend my brother committed suicide. And you stammer, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. In that moment, that's the only thing to say. We know by now not to say, well, you have other siblings, or I had a friend who committed suicide too. Those words would be completely inane. But about this, I'm clear. There are no other human words that are really any better. No human words can adequately fill the silence. This is why we come to church for funerals. It's why worship is the most important thing the church does. It's why pastors and deacons and Stephen ministers sometimes get a call late at night beckoning us to the emergency room because something terrible has happened. This is why when we finish scanning the news, we put our face in our hands and go, my God, they're still shooting unarmed black men. My Lord, it's Beirut and then Charleston and now Paris. What we're saying is, what about it, God? What about you in all this? God, do you have a word that can stand up to this threatening silence? And the proclamation of the gospel is absolutely yes. Yes, there is a word. But the word we need cannot merely be words on a piece of paper. This has to be a word that was with God and was God, the word from the beginning, the word that has the ability to look out on all the chaos and say, let there be 
sparking beauty and light. This has to be a word that can enter all the mess of our lives and take it on with us. And I want to say right now to the confirmands who are with us this morning that you are not joining the church today because you graduated from some class or because your parents are making you or because all your friends were doing it and you thought you should do it too. You are here this morning joining this church because like every other person who is here, you cannot live without this word which comes only from God. And Peter proclaims in our text today, I know this word. Peter says, I was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when heaven surrounded us in holiness and we heard heaven proclaim, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. That was an echo of the words from Jesus' baptism when he walked down into the waters, an image of incarnation signifying Jesus walking down into the mess of human life, and God proclaims, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am so pleased. This is what God is saying to each of you. This is what each of us, no matter how young or old, needs to hear God say to us every day. Jesus identifies with us in baptism so completely that heaven proclaims to each of us, you are the beloved daughter. You're the beloved son with whom God is so pleased. Not because you've figured it all out, how to get your life right, or how you've figured out all, everything about faith or because you finally figured out how to climb out of the mess yourself, but because God has climbed down into your life, into my life, into all our lives. God is pleased because you were lost and now you were found. Peter reminds us to pay attention to this word. I was there, he says, I saw it. And it will appear to you like the morning star that rises in your hearts. The morning star is the first star that pierces the darkness, signaling the coming of the dawn. The morning star that rises in your hearts is the star that all humanity is yearning to see as we continue to bump our way along in the dark. And that yearning is what hopefully brings us back to a community of faith, to this community of faith over and over and over again. Frankly, the only reason for being here is to attend to our yearning for this bright morning star. The only reason for anyone like a confirmation class to join the church today is to pay attention to our shared yearning for the morning star of God, which will banish all the darkness of your life and the messy darkness of this world. If you find yourselves bumping along in the dark, remember this word, this holy word, this word is different from any other word that we might speak or read or share. This word changes every situation. This word banishes the darkness. It is the word that we cannot manufacture on our own, no matter our bank account, our resume, our achievements, or our striving. 
There's a choir of an Atlanta church that has a wonderful and unusual custom. Whenever a member of the church is admitted to hospice care, and so is in the final days or weeks of their life, the choir will go en masse to the hospice and sing to them, to sing the great anthems of the faith. The singing is a comfort, yes, but it's more than that. It's a confession of faith that we are surrounded in life and in death by this word, by this gospel story, that we do not bear the burden of making our own lives complete. We can be content, we can be even comforted by our incompleteness because the completion we desire has been provided as a gift from God, the God who is there at the beginning who will be there at the end. This may seem like a strange topic this morning for a Confirmation Sunday. Strange words for young people who are constantly told that they can be anything they choose to be, that their whole life is ahead of them, that everything is potential and greater achievement. But I am sure that these 14 and 15 and 16 year olds already have an inkling of their own incompleteness, just like every 30 or 40 or 60 or 80-year-old here. So here, confirmation class, is what we do not say to you enough. If we take a deep look at the complexity of all you have to manage in your life, all you are juggling and doing, the responsibilities you carry, the emotions and relationships you navigate, what you are probably discovering is this particular silence is as real to you as anyone else sitting in this room. You feel pain, you need comfort and strength. You need to know who you are, just like every one of us, You need, like all of us, to hear a voice from God saying that you are loved. And your whole life long, you need to know where to go to find the word that will fill your deepest need and will address your most fervent longing. And I gotta tell you, a good GPA or SAT score or an elite college or an elite job or elite friendships none of those will take care of this longing and none of those will fill this particular need. We all need a word that none of us can manufacture. None of us can speak on our own, but a word that breaks all silence and fills our souls. The great Irish poet Seamus Haney died two years ago at the age of 74. After collapsing on a Dublin street, he was rushed to the hospital and taken into the surgical suite where unfortunately he died before they could perform surgery. Minutes before he died, Haney, a poet who loved and mastered language, communicated his very last words on this earth via text message to his wife Marie. Two words in Latin, nole temere, do not be afraid. 
Haney learned these words from Jesus. They are the centerpiece of the story of Easter. Do not be afraid. Haney was raised in the Catholic Church. He had quarrels with the church as he had struggles even with the faith. Nevertheless, at the end of his life, those old words came back to him as his mortality drew him close to God toward the promise that our restless lives find their rest in God. He was surrounded by the promise of God's grace. So noli to Mary, do not be afraid. We all may think we came here today primarily to recognize this confirmation class uh, or to get in a holiday mood or to go to Matthew's Market or the Mission Fair or to check in with friends and enjoy fellowship. I'm here to tell you we are all here to attend to our yearning for that bright morning star. We are all here to devote ourselves to the only word we know that can fill this silence. Everything we do here is an encounter with the one holy word that can fill the silence. This word for which our souls yearn, this word for which we thirst, that taste of grace that will fill our souls. This is the true function of the church these confirmands are joining today, to encounter this word, to seek the morning star that pierces the darkness, to know how to recognize that word even when it is so obscured by despair, terror, fear, addiction, violence, bigotry, abuse, overindulgence, or potent distractions. We gather here each Sunday to learn how to trust the word that can fill any silence that dares threaten us and the name of that word is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus fills our silence. Jesus stills every storm. Jesus fills our souls. Jesus heals the hardest heart and makes peace in the cruelest landscape. Into the silence, we know all too well, Jesus is the word and Jesus speaks that word to you. I am with you to the end of the age. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. I will deliver all who are oppressed and redeem their lives. Peace be with you. Blessed are those who weep, for they will be comforted. You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Take heart. and noly to Mary, do not be afraid.